A clash between Tottenham and Manchester City gave us one of the greatest moments in FA Cup history as the effervescent, inimitable Ricky Villa slalomed his way through the City defence to score a dramatic goal for Spurs in the 1981 FA Cup final replay. The balance of power between the two clubs has shifted a fair bit since then, it's fair to say, with City hoovering up trophy after trophy in the 21st century. But Tottenham have sprung a few surprises against them in recent years. Can Ange Postacoglu mastermind another upset on Saturday? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. It's a lean, mean tipping machine this week, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark Tottenham, the home side, a hefty 5.1 on the Betfair exchange to win this, with City the 1.69 favourites. Given their recent record against Tottenham and given Tottenham's revival, does City team seem a touch short to you? Uh, yes and no, um, obviously. <laughs> it's always <laughs> like this with City, isn't it? We always go, ah, they're not playing that well. Is it a bit short? Yeah. And you always go, mm, they're still very good, though. <laughs> well, the last time we discussed City was, was uh, what, a fortnight ago, and I sort of recommended a play on, on Newcastle plus one on the Asian handicap. And I thought I was in a, a terrific position kind of going against the grain, and then they produced some absolute genius in the last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour to to take that winning position away from me and, and just return a push. But um yeah, this is the FA Cup and I, I don't think I've made any secret of the fact that I don't particularly like betting the FA Cup for a variety of reasons, mainly really down to drag the him on that... the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Literally. Drag him um, onto this show this week. Yeah, I mean it's 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 always hard because teams don't often play their best elevens and it's very hard to sort of second guess how serious or how much of a priority the FA Cup is for for certain sides, particularly at this early stage. But I think this match is different because Spurs and City may make changes. But I think the high-profile nature of this match almost kind of forces Postacoglu and, and Pep to, to play relatively strong sides. Um, and both have, have had their winter breaks now. So have come out, coming into this game off a two-week rest. And plus there's midweek Premier League games next week. Um, but both these two teams play on Wednesday. So there's a decent period of rest between Friday and Wednesday, so they could actually be using this as a, a decent kind of tune-up, really, for for the return to league action. But um, yeah, I'm expecting strong sides from both. Spurs will still be without Star, Basuma, and Son. Um, I think everyone was quite surprised to see Romero and, and Bentancourt back for the Man United match. Van der Ven was, was always due back and Madison is apparently now very close, if not going to be involved in this match. So Spurs shouldn't be too far away from the best 11. For City, there's question marks over Stones, Haaland, Akanji and Ed Edison, but I'd be very surprised if, if at least a couple of those players don't feature. So... Yeah, I mean, both sides should be going at it, really, for this game. And um, as you say, Spurs have been City's kind of bogey team over the over recent seasons under Pep Guardiola, despite being, you know, it's under Mourinho, under Conte, under Postacoglu too. Um, the reverse game, um, or, or the earlier game in the campaign, was 3-3 at the Etihad, a, a terrific match. And that kind of stands out, really. Spurs were incredibly, incredibly clinical that day. They scored three goals from just four shots on target and an XG of around 0.85, whereas City actually generated close to three XG in that game. So I know with the eye test, we, we see Spurs as this relentless, fearless team, well capable of kind of bringing the noise. But I think it has to be said, they have overachieved ever so slightly this season in the Premier League. Uh, if you look at the underlying metrics, that's you know, it's black and white, really. They, they've overachieved compared to other teams around them. So 
yeah, there's a, a sort of te- temptation to to kind of cyber them at a big price, but the the realistic kind of um, kind of betting element of me sort of suggests that City are, are a fair price. That's kind of you know they are the best team in the world on their day, and at the moment we've seen them kind of coming to the boil um, after Christmas, really. So if I'm going to be involved in this game, that the price that stood out to me was the the over two and a half goals and BTTS angle at four to five. Um, City, we know, are the more likelier. They're obviously always guaranteed almost to score. Spurs do struggle for clean sheets. However, kind of flick it round. And and, and we talked about Man City before the Newcastle match. Their, their away record doesn't always stand strong against the best teams in the league. And their clean sheet record away from home against, against all opponents this season has been quite poor too. So Spurs, remarkably, in the Premier League under Postacoglu, have scored twice or more in 16 of 21 games, which is an exceptional return. That's um, it, it is, it is it. terrific it's why everyone's kind of grown to, to love him apart from Arsenal fans but um, yeah I mean over two and a half goals in BTTS has won in 10 of Tottenham's 11 Premier League matches with teams in the top 11 the only match it didn't was the clean sheet they kept against uh, Man United earlier in the campaign and if you remember that game United are actually very good uh, and probably deserving of something from that fixture. So um, they could easily have scored and suddenly we'd have an 11 from 11 record so that's going to be my, my sort of suggested play but I'll kind of we're watching this game more from interest rather than from betting uh, in terms of a, a kind of serious position. See, tipping an FA Cup game wasn't so bad, Mark, was it? You survived. You got through it. Yeah. Uh, thrilled yeah. to <laughs> thrilled to say, EFL expert and all round football sage George Elek joins us today on loan from the Not the Top Twenty podcast, uh, which is very good, by the way. Check it out. Uh, George Tottenham have had such a big shift in playing style, personnel and mood since Postacoglu arrived. Have you been impressed with what they've done, the speed with which they've done it? And do you think they can lay a glove on City here? I think it's impossible not to be impressed by what they've done. And I think the most impressive thing to me is when you look at the way they started the season, there's certain players, you know, Madison being one of them, but certain players who who were really performing incredibly well um, in this new system as players were lost to injury, to suspension, it would have been easy to assume that the the style of play would maybe change or it wouldn't be quite as effective. And despite having a run of form where, you know, as Mark said, certainly they are running a bit hot this season, but there was also a period of, of games back in kind of October time where they, they lost a few on the bounce. And actually the underlying numbers suggested they were quite unlucky at that time as well to be yeah. doing so. And the, the way that they've managed to maintain a, a level of performance despite missing all of these players, I think is real testament to what Postacoglu is doing, where it's not necessarily the personnel, but it's a system that's getting the best out of these guys. And obviously it's 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 set up for players like Son and like Madison and recently even Richarlson to really thrive. So I definitely think so. I I, I tend to agree with Mark to, to for the most part in terms of cup games. It's basically a different sport to an extent, especially from a, a, a punting perspective. Like, What's at stake is completely different. The way that a first goal goes in completely changes the ways the way that games work. Um, but the one angle that I do think is often there is is consistently in cup games you'll have on a card a, a couple of games that go crazy in terms of goals because you know what what is at stake is a place in the next round. There's no need at all really to to sit on a lead. And especially with these two sides, where as soon as the first goal goes in, um, we're not going to see either of them change the way they play whatsoever. And and I think it'll be really end-to-end. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of the angle for, from a punting perspective, I do think the, uh, you know, siding with goal seems to be a pretty obvious way to play this one. Just a more general one, George, actually, on on the impact that Postacoglu's made. Because I think received wisdom can be sometimes that a new manager comes in 
And we always tend to say things like, oh, well, it's going to take a couple of transfer windows or it's going to take a while to, to really bed down the style. And, you know, Antonio Conte had his demands when he was there. And by the end, everybody was all a bit cheesed off with the whole thing, weren't they, really? <laughs> but he's come in and he's managed to bed down that style, his style, win, lose or draw so quickly. You look at that team now and go, oh, right, that's the Postacoglu team. Has he made other coaches look look bad, do you think, by what he's been able to do in the first few months? Uh it's hard to say. I mean, he may certainly makes other coaches look bad in terms of entertainment value. Like the the, the most obvious thing that Postacoglu has done is he's he's basically said to his back line, like we're going to play an incredibly high back line. We're not yeah. going to change that for anything. Like remember that ridiculous uh, game against Chelsea, where even down to oh, nine. That's my favourite game of the season. Uh, Chelsea for twenty minutes, eleven against nine, panicking like crazy, thinking we couldn't get out. If we don't beat nine men, we're going to look ridiculous. <laughs> And then Nicholas Jackson um, yes. <laughs> silences yes. critics briefly. But it's, you know, it, it's that part of it where I, I do think when you're looking at like patterns of play and the more um, kind of the nitty grittier parts of, of, uh, of football coaching and team development will take time. And I think that's why there are certain coaches where it does take longer for them to, to implement their style of play. There's no denying that Postacoglu's style of play is is extreme, but there are, are very clear and obvious non-negotiables that he will drill into his side, which are, we're going to play at a high line. We're not going to be dictated by game state. We're going to continue to play the way that we want to play regardless of the scoreline. Um, we're going to be fairly direct when we're in possession. Um, and that is the kind of stuff that you can, that you can change overnight. It won't always work. I think we often see um, managers come into jobs and try and change too much too quickly. And it's a complete testament to him that he's been able to do it. Uh, as quickly as he has done. So I don't know about making other coaches look bad. I, I do think there's a there's a lot of people waiting for, for Postacogli to fail and he'll take a big enjoyment in doing so because, you know, management isn't as easy as he's making it look. Yeah. But maybe coming into a side who, when you consider the, the managers they've gone through since Poch, namely Jose Mourinho and, and Antonio Conte, two of the you know, most pragmatic elite managers that, that we've seen, to get someone come, coming in and basically just... I, I hate the saying when people talk about taking the handbrake off and especially with Southgate where it's like the handbrake is on the handbrake is on. So what does that really mean? Yeah. But if there is, if there is one manager who there isn't a handbrake, it, it's Postacoglu. And whilst the results are going well, uh, it looks, it looks good and it, and it's getting the results. Yeah. No handbrakes, uh, no breaks either in a Postacoglu team <laughs> at all. I think it's just acceleration uh, all the way. Earlier on, we spoke to the former Tottenham striker Dimitar Berbatov, and here's the Betfair's amb Betfair ambassador's view on how Tottenham could catch City on the counter-attack. City will continuously keep the ball, ask for the ball, look for the space, pass, pass, pass. Spurs take the ball at their own half and hopefully someone with great speed can start running and they can get the ball and surprise City. Probably that's going to be not always, of course, because Spurs also have good players who can keep the ball and play from the back and slowly go up forward. But most of the time, probably it's going to be City keeping the ball and trying to you know push Spurs into their own half. Uh, but to be honest, I want to see Spurs win that game. I want to see them win that game. And it's possible because they have a great record at, at the stadium against City. Uh, and at the, the way they play now with the new manager, I, I think it's it's possible for them, if we can say, do the surprise here and continue, uh, or at least not lose. But I would like to see them win that game. 
And it is possible. It's not like it's not possible. They have no chance at all. It is possible. And with addition of James Madison coming back into the team, yes, Son is not there, which is pity, right? Uh, but it is what it is, and they can do even without without him. Uh, just it's going to be tough. But I think they they have a chance to do it. And Berber was particularly excited about the potential return of James Madison to the Spurs lineup, but he said there is no guarantee that he'll hit the ground running. And we spoke about him, what kind of a great impact he had on Spurs. Now the situation is a bit different, though. He's coming back from injury. And of course, again, it's it's always the same. It's never a right answer. Some players, straight from injuries, getting back into the team like they never left. You see De Bruyne and what he did with City? Coming back from injury. Some players takes a, a bit more time to get going uh, from injury. So we'll see uh, how the, the manager is going to handle the situation with him. Uh, but overall, he's fit. Coming back into the squad is going to be a great, great addition again with everything that he possesses and showing on the pitch. Now, worth bearing in mind, you can get ready for Cheltenham this weekend by checking out all of the offers and additional places. You can also stay at the top of your game by using Betfair's safer gambling tools, which are easy to find and use. You can set deposit and loss limits, use a simple profit and loss tracker. You can set time checks for gaming. One in three Betfair customers already use our safer gambling tools to manage their play. So give them a try if you haven't already. Let's Let's head into the EFL then. Mark, you want to take a look at Crisis Club Reading up against Leighton Orient in League One? Yeah, obviously Reading's plight has been well publicised in, in recent weeks, um, but there's been a couple of semi-encouraging statements from the club since that abandonment against uh, Port Vale. There's hopefully some positive progress to report on the sale of the club in, in the near future, but um, yeah, I, I don't live too far away from Reading, so I know a lot of Reading fans, myself, it's, it's quite a grim position to be in, so I'm sure every football fan sympathises with them. But I, I did want to speak positively about Reading this week because um, on the field there has been progress. Uh, in midweek, they beat Derby at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Um, it's obviously the Medeski Stadium to all of us. But, um, yeah, it's brought them <laughs> to within four points of survival now. Um, so having lost 11 of their opening 16 games and having a four-point point deduction to, to start the campaign, they've since returned just two defeats in 13, and their Medeski form has been pretty strong throughout the campaign. At home, they've only lost four or 14, two of which came against the top two. So exclude the games against Posh and Pompey, and they've won seven, drawn three, and lost just twice at the Madstad. Um, but I guess across all venues, their performances have picked up. So I looked at the, the last 12 League One matches uh, across all teams, really, and my ratings have Reading inside the top six in terms of expected points earned and top six for XG process, which is, and it goes to show that progress is being made on the field. But um, if you sort of view the over, view the, the records over the last eight games, um, a run that includes a, a draw away at Posh, a draw at home to Oxford and that Derby win as well. They've really kind of gone toe to toe with some of the best sides in the division. Uh, I don't think they should be fearing the visit of Orient on Saturday, despite Orient enjoying a, a very fruitful campaign of their own, actually. So my numbers made Reading closer to a 2.3 shot. Um, when I did my prep, Reading were trading around 265. Um, I'm looking at the odds comparison sites at the minute, and they're already into 2.5. I suspect that price might continue to shorten, but there still is Somebody's opportunity. Somebody's spying on your prep. Do you have a mole <laughs> in the back cave? Is that what it is? I hope not. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's still going to be an opportunity for people to back Reading 
off a zero ball Asian handicap start at around four to five to, to nine to ten, somewhere in that margin. Uh, basically, reading draw no bet, which I think is really quite nice because of that home form, because of that improvement uh, in terms of performance levels across the board. Now, Orient, it should be said, are very well capable themselves. They're enjoying a great run of their own. Five wins from seven, five clean sheets on the spin. They're up to 10th, but... Um, the underlying metrics don't suggest they're as strong as perhaps those results have been. Perhaps there is a little bit of overachievement. Um, and whilst they've been limiting teams pretty well, they've not been creating too many clear-cut chances of their own. And I think it's probably saying something that they've also lost the non-penalty expected goals battle in nine of 14 away days so far this season. So there is a, a healthy respect to Lake Norian here, but um, I think Reading deserve credit for their recent upturn. Kind of happy to back them with the insurance of the draw on side um, at around about sort of four to five, nine to ten. If you can get Reading at those kind of prices, draw no bet or plus zero on the Asian handicap. Derby County pushing for promotion up against Cheltenham. George, at one stage, I think early in this season, somebody on the show dubbed Cheltenham the most boring team in the EFL. They've gone <laughs> weeks and weeks without scoring. I know they've picked up a bit recently, but it's still uh, far below a goal a game, isn't it, for them this season? But is this an open and shut case, a promotion pushing team going to beat up a relegation candidate or is it a bit more complex than that? A bit more complex. Um, I'm I'm keen to find ways to side with Cheltenham here. Like to, to kind of paint the picture for those who haven't been following this, it was, it's been one of the most remarkable turnarounds and probably one of the best short-term individual management jobs we've ever seen in the EFL from Daryl Clark. Uh, he came into a side who hadn't scored a goal. They didn't score a goal until the 21st of October. Um, in the league, one of the worst That's starts. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely incredible. One of the worst starts, maybe the worst start we've ever seen from an EFL side. I think they were ten on for relegation um, in the middle of October. Clark came in and has overseen a, a period of form that is, when you consider where they came from, absolutely incredible. If we start from the twenty-first of October, they sit eleventh in the League One table. Had the wow. had the uh, had the season started on that day, they played fourteen games. Uh, within those fourteen games. They have picked up uh, 21 points, so at an average of 1.5 points per game. And that is an unbelievable turnaround. When you also consider that the five defeats within those 14, de 14 games have been by a solitary goal, so there hasn't been a single game within those where they've been beaten out of sight, it really shows what Clark has been able to do. Of those five defeats, they've been unfortunate in two of those. Uh, there was a 2-1 home defeat against Leighton Orient where they had 10 men for the majority of the game. They won the XG battle uh, and they conceded two goals very late to Orient. And then in midweek, where they went to Bolton, and Bolton scored fairly early through Victor Adebayejo. But Cheltenham were by far the better side throughout the game. They created by far the better chances. They they battered them on the on the XG uh, on the XG numbers. And they also scored a disallowed goal where I've watched it back. And if you listen to Dow Clark's post-match interview, it, there's just he's miles on side, George Lloyd. Like, there's no way it should have been disallowed. So to my mind, you've got a Cheltenham side who and, and also in this run since the 21st of October, they've beaten Oxford and they've beaten Pompey, sides who currently sit first and sixth in the league. Cheltenham are not, they're not a relegation team in terms of performances right now. And the underlying numbers back that up. They are probably at worst a mid-table side, yet they're still being priced up as a, as a poor team. Then you look at Derby. And now if you take that same league table from the 21st of October, um, Derby are top of it. But the difference is that they play three games more. So in the actual points per game, it's 1.5 for, for Cheltenham and it's two points per game for Derby. But Derby's last three games have shown a real turn in form from a negative sense. They played against Burton Albion live on Sky. They were 2-0 up early in that game, conceded twice and only got the win thanks to a Conor Harrahan late strike. They then went to Lincoln, who were really out of form under new manager Michael Scabala. Couldn't even muster a goal, drew that game 0-0. And 
and then against Reading, as as as, as um, Mark just said, they were beaten one nil in midweek. So three games in a row where they've flattered to deceive in one of them, and then poor two poor results afterwards. It looks like they're on a downward trend to me. So for Cheltenham to be eleven point zero on the on the Betfair exchange to me completely underestimates their, their ability within these games, especially given they've gone to a side of a, of a similar quality to Derby in midweek and, and come away as an unlucky loser. The, probably the best way I want to play this, though. I mean, I, I would definitely advise having a bit of that eleven point zero. But you're also finding at the moment on the Betfair sportsbook six to one about the draw no bet no Asian handicap market yet. But look out for that because it might be a bit bigger. And also the nine to four about a, a double chance Cambridge or draw. Sorry. And nine to four about uh, Cheltenham or draw. Like I, I think there are many ways to play this, but Derby look far, far too short to me. Uh, and if Cheltenham can replicate the performance we saw from them in midweek, I think they'll give Derby some real issues. Mark, you want to talk about Maidenhead against Solihull? Of course, who you want doesn't to talk about Maidenhead and Solihull? You glamour puss, you. Go on. Yeah, Maidenhead, my my local side. Um, are going to call us uh, we uh, rather than than Maidenhead. Um, we're okay. massively punching above our, our weight to be operating at, at the national league level. Um, there's been a few close scares in recent years, but Alan Devonshire um, has worked miracles, not just minor miracles, but actual miracles to keep the Magpies in the national league. But um, they are a very limited outfit, and I do worry about their prospects um, to stay up this season, um, going through some very erratic runs of form. And I'm worried about their prospects this weekend, actually. Um, on Saturday, they host Solihull Moors. Now, Maids are five points above the drop. Uh, they lost in midweek against uh, relegation battlers Ebbsfleet at York Road. Uh, that was their fourth successive National League game without a goal. And they've now fired blanks in 11 of 28 matches this season, including seven of 15 at home. Um you know, not really sort of free scoring. And that's always a concern against a side like Solihull, who do know where the, the back of the net is. They've scored in all but two league games so far this season. So I was looking at Solihull, who I think are massively <laughs> underrated here. You can get them at almost two to one to win this match. But more appealing to me is the 11 to 10 on Solihull Moore's draw no bet. Um, because if they score in this match, it's going to be difficult for them to lose the game. So you're in a very strong position already. Um, now, Solihull are in the top six. They've won three of the last four. Uh, to get back on track after their own sort of uh, difficult spell. They also boast a really excellent record against the bottom half. 13 wins from 16, including six wins from eight unbeaten away games against the bottom half. So they've recently turned over Chesterfield on Boxing Day. That was at home, of course, but um, Chesterfield are by far and away the best team in the league, with far and away the biggest budget. And then they ran them really, really close in the reverse game at Chesterfield too, just a, a fortnight later. So that kind of highlights their potential or their, their ceiling, really. So they're, they're well capable of going to Maidenhead and getting results. So I'll kind of back them with a, a draw and a bet angle at 11 to 10. Injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18plusbgambleaware.org. In League Two, Swindon face Bradford. George Swindon have made yet another managerial change recently. It doesn't seem like the most stable environment over the past couple of years. It really doesn't, um, you know. As a as an Oxford fan, I, I've, got, I've got to be have a disclaimer here, given that there are big rivals. But you know, I have to be um, neutral about this kind of stuff. And, and there's no denying that at the moment, it, it's it's a concerning situation for Swindon Town. You know, Clem Morfuni bought the club a couple of seasons ago when they were in real trouble uh, under their former owner uh, Lee Power, and there was a lot of optimism about the place. But there feels like there is unrest both on and off the pitch at the moment. A lot of rumours swirling around about 
what is going on at the club. And when you consider how their dip in form has gone, you know, they started the season under, under Mike Flynn really well. Um, he has now been sacked just a couple of months after signing a new long-term contract. When you look at the players that have left the club this window, you've got Jake Young, who's the, the second top scorer in the league, who was recalled from his loan at Bradford, still yet to play for Bradford. We're assuming that he'll probably move on at some stage during this window uh, into League One. Dan Kemp, who's been recalled by MK Dons and is now playing a, a big part for them under Mike Williamson. Remy Hutton, who you know, was their ever-present player, a uh, right back, a really good attacking force. He's moved to fellow League Two club Gillingham. Uh, Liam Kinsella, who hadn't had a great time at the club, but a senior player who's moved on now. It feels like something is amiss. And when you look at the players who Swindon have brought in in the window, it's a lot of potential, but not much proven quality. You know, Dawson Devoy comes in from MK Dons on loan. Paul Glatzel from, from Liverpool, who's had some serious injury issues. There's not a lot of players here. There's not a lot of, of minutes, really, uh, at, at the senior level. And when Flynn has been replaced uh, by a caretaker manager to the end of the season, with seemingly no experienced head coach coming in anytime soon, it feels desperate right now uh, yeah. for Swindon Town. And they are way off where they were uh, previously in the campaign. Now, the form had already dipped when those players have been picked off. You look at their recent performances and results, it's very, very difficult to get excited or, or to, to go into their, um, or to back them really with, with any conviction given, I think it's just one win against uh, Forest Green taking back to the beginning of December. And even in that, against Lowly Forest Green, they were maybe fortunate to win it. They come up against a, a Bradford side who themselves aren't in great form when it comes to the the results themselves. They haven't won since the, uh, the 22nd of December where they beat Doncaster 3-1 away from home. That was their fourth win in a row uh, under their new manager, uh, Graham Alexander. But the underlying numbers are still pretty good. In midweek, they played Salford, who are uh, revived a bit under Carl Robinson. Uh, they were the better side and drew that game one all. They were the better side at Colchester under new manager, Nicky, uh, uh, under new manager Danny Cowley. And in that game, again, they, they drew one all in the game that they, they maybe should have won. They were beaten by Crawley 4-2, uh, where they missed chances at 2-all. It's one of those runs, and against Crew where they conceded a, a penalty very early on in the game, and then basically not another chance created by Crew. They were unable to get the goal to get themselves back into it. They're a, a real case, I think, at the moment of a team who are playing much better than their performances suggested they are. And given that in those that run of four games where they, they won four in a row, three of them were away from home, I don't think... And classically, they've been a, a team over the last few seasons who've struggled at Valley Parade. I think the, the expectation of the home fans sometimes weighs quite heavy on Bradford. And on the road, they, they tend to perform better. So um, they are um, currently at 11 to 10 uh, to win this one with the Betfair Sportsbook. And I think anything odds against here is, is worth snapping up because right now, I think Bradford are a side who will... Uh, probably will struggle to push themselves into the top seven in, the, in League Two, but their level is around there. Whereas Swindon Town right now are arguably the worst team in League Two and are probably operating almost at a National League standard. So, um, yeah, I think the 11 to 10 here, despite it being an away team, I think is the value for Bradford. Let's take it to Serie B in Italy. Venezia against Ternana, Mark. How are Venezia getting on with their lovely kits? Yeah, they're going quite well. They're in the, in the top six race, at least. And... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful place to go and watch football. Um, there's quite a few decent away days in Serie B this season. You've got Como, Palermo, Bari, Venezia. Very nice. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be and they're going pretty well. Um, they're playing at a team Tanana this weekend who are kind of in the bottom half, but um, probably too good to go down, but also not good enough to sort of um, 
impinge on the sort of the top six element of Serie B. But um, I'm going for goals in this game because uh, over two and a half goals is rated as a, a four to five shot, 1.8. Now, these two teams are top two performing sides for over two and a half goals winners in the division, both boasting around a, a 60% or higher um, hit rate for over two and a half goals. But, um, you know, it's going to be quite numbers heavy this, so I'll try and keep it relatively light. But, you know, the evidence for backing over two and a half goals goes far beyond that. And there is obviously raw numbers here, but also the underlying data points to it too. So I'm surprised to see it available around four to five. So Venezia at home have seen over in nine of 11, BTTS in nine of 11, and seen over three and a half in six of 11. Tanana away have seen over in nine of 10, BTTS in nine of 10, and over three and a half in six of 10. If you look at the recent form, the last eight games for each team, put the two records together, over two and a half goals has, la- has landed in 13 of 16, 11 of those 16 went over three and a half. So the raw numbers are quite compelling, but it's crucially backed up by those underlying data. Metric two, Venetia's half fixtures averaging 3.05 expected goals per game. Tanana's away days averaging 3.25 expected goals per game. Obviously, Italian football is traditionally considered to be a low-scoring um, league or leagues, uh, and I think that's always kind of brought into the element here too. So you know, you're getting a, a nice price and overs. If, this, if these kind of figures were kind of... Um, being banded around in the Bundesliga, I reckon over two and a half goals would be around a 1.6 shot. So yeah. <laughs> um, big value here. Um, happy to get involved. I like it when Mark gets excited about the numbers. It's like on Countdown when nobody gets the numbers puzzle and Rachel <laughs> Riley has to show you how it was done. She gets all excited <laughs> as she's putting it down. Carol Vorderman used to be the same. Really excited as they come up with the solution when nobody else could. Um, I'm going to go for Augsburg plus one and a half on the Asian handicap against Bayern. At 2.16, it's a Bavarian derby this weekend. Bayern have had a full week. They've just had to beat Union Berlin in midweek. Um, At the weekend, they were dreadful, really, really awful at home to Werder Bremen. They've picked up another couple of injuries. Conrad Leimer's out, Diopa Meccano's out. So we could see a first start for Eric Dyer. Augsburg have been much, much better since Jess Torup, their um, Danish coach, took over. Uh, they only lost 1-0 at home to Bayer Leverkusen recently, and that was courtesy of a stoppage time goal, and Leverkusen are playing way better than Bayern are right now. So I think Augsburg, even though they might lose the game, can't see them losing it by multiple goals. And if you look at their performances under Jess Torup and their results, that will suggest uh, that this could be closer than the market believes. Now, I know many of you had Christmas ruins by the axe that was hanging over Scottwatch. Marriages have been affected. Christmas was affected. New Year's, you might not have gone out New Year's Eve because of Mark O'Hare and his outrageous threats to Scottwatch. Mark, is it back this week? Yeah, it's back. It's back. Um, I've been guilt-tripped into it, haven't I, really, by all those (laughs) messages, um, marriages on the line and stuff. Um, Yeah, Scottwatch is back. Um, Hoping, well... I'm not hoping, well, I am hoping we get a full card of fixtures this weekend because the weather has hopefully relented a little bit up in Scotland. But we've got a full card from Premiership down to League Two for the first time in 2024. So I wanted to look at the, the Championship game between Morton and our Broth. I'll be backing the home side to win and over one and a half goals at 10 to 11, 1.91. Now, Morton have kind of charged into promotion contention, really, uh, recently with an unbeaten eight-game streak, winning five of those fixtures. That also includes winning away at Dundee United, who are top of the table, picking up points against Airdrie and holding Partick as well, two teams in the top four mix. Um, They've only conceded five goals in that eight-game sample. 
But um, from a data perspective, I don't have XG numbers for the Scottish Championship, but I do have shot data. And Morton are actually second for both shots and shots on target ratio across the division, second only to Dundee United, who, of course, are top of the table. That's overall, that's also based purely on home fixtures. And also the second behind Dundee United in the eight game shots and shots on target ratio table. So for me, they have to be really respected uh, against any opposition in the championship right now. But um, even more so this weekend because they're playing an Arbroath side who have sunk to the bottom of the table, having lost 10 of the last 14, failed to score in the last four, conceding two goals in four of the last five. Away from home, they're conceding 2.2 goals per game on average. But the key point here is um, owed basically bound. Uh, down to um, our good old pal Jerry Taylor, uh, the Scottish football expert who I oh, often yes. confide in. Um, Jerry informs me that our broth um, only had three outfield subs in midweek uh, during their defeat to air. They suffered another couple of injuries in that fixture too. So they're yeah. you know, really, really short on bodies, particularly in defensive areas too, uh, where apparently one player is even playing with a broken toe. So um, they're very easily opposed at the moment, our broth. Um you know, fighting a relegation battle. Morton are definitely looking upwards and a highly rated team according to the data too. So backing the home win alongside over one and a half goals, effectively eliminating the one nil home win gives us a nice 10 to 11 shout to cheer on. Um, I've got some culture corner if you're interested. Of course, I'm always interested in culture <laughs> corner. George is yeah. there like a coiled spring. Red <laughs> I mean, the standard is dropping. This is this is why I was re- ready to scrap uh, Scott Watch. Um, like we've covered Morton and our broth previously, so I thought I'd hit you with some more big, big facts about the wonderful nation of Scotland. Actually, yes, um, come on then. So Scotland is home to the tallest waterfall in Britain. Um, I can't really pronounce the name of it. S Akul Alunan. Something like that. It's okay, sounds like, it sounds like a hollow now. Some sort of <laughs> <laughs> some sort of Gaelic spelling. Um, it's difficult to, to sort of pronounce. It's six hundred and fifty-eight feet high, which is actually three times higher than the height of Niagara Falls. Uh, wow, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, uh, did you know also Niagara Falls? Then great. <laughs> <laughs> did you know Edinburgh was the first city in the world to have its own fire brigade? But you I didn't did know not that. know that. You do know no. that now. Um, very useful information. Do we know why? And did you? People just nah. kept setting fire to stuff and they decided <laughs> enough was enough. A lot of anarchy in Edinburgh back in the days. Um, okay. yeah. People Did taking Burns know... Night too seriously. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Very good. That's why he's Did on, you also see. know? The CFL business, he's on for the gags, <laughs> you see. <laughs> now, um, you probably did know this one, but uh, the raincoat was actually invented in Scotland by a man called Charles McIntosh, hence the shortened Wonderful. version. The Mac. Um, yeah, fascinating stuff, actually. I was going to give you a why in Macs Scotland anymore. you'd need to invent a coat. I can understand yeah. why that would be. <laughs> yeah. do, you th- do, you, um, do, you reckon, do you reckon they'll still be called Macintoshes and Macs in a generation's time? You don't really hear it these days, do you? No, it's, it's no, quite old no. school, isn't it, really? It's been phased out. Poor Mr. Yeah. Macintosh. And then he invented the computer later on, then. That's amazing, really. Yeah, that was a son, Ian. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that, that's it. I'll, I'll say that's the other corner, for right? Time. Okay, fire yeah, brigades, yeah. coats, you name it, waterfalls. Uh, what was the pronunciation of waterfall again, Mark? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> where is it? S. Akula Lunan, something okay. like that. Okay, 
Okay, and uh, just just send us your complaints. Uh, to <laughs> social media channels, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of great preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. And in the Sunday show, we're going to have a look ahead at more games, including the FA Cup clashes between Newport and Manchester United and West Brom. And Wolves from George, from Mark, from Dimitar Berbatov and from me. It's goodbye for